And so, gracious God, in these moments, may your word for us be light and life, we pray. Amen. And so, friends, as we finish our summer Sundays uh, this morning, it's been great to share these past six weeks together and to hear wonderful stories and testimonies from Samuel and from Chris, from Sue and Margaret last week, from Dave, and then this morning from Rachel. And it's important we do that because stories matter. Listening to them matters. Sharing them matters. And as we finish those services this morning, I want to spend just a few final moments reflecting on the story that draws all those stories together. For if nothing else in this life, we're working to see that our lives as Christians are shaped around the Jesus story. It's Jesus that holds it all together. It's Jesus who is our Lord and our Saviour. It's Jesus who offers us freedom from sin and hope for the future. It's Jesus who shows us and teaches us what it means to be fully alive. The truth is there are plenty of other narratives that will seek to define us, that will seek to define you. We'll be known by our politics, be known by our nationality, by our age. We'll be known by the expectations of our parents or by what's deemed as success in our social circles. We might be known by our theology even, but none of those are the same. None of those are as good as being defined by and in Jesus Christ. And we're increasingly sophisticated at presenting or curating our stories in the right way. Social media has taught us so well how to present a certain picture of ourselves and our lives, but it's not a new phenomenon. Hyacinth Bouquet was funny because it was true, and we all knew somebody who lived in that way. But Jesus is the centre of our life, and so his story is to be the story from which we each take our cue. Paul is making exactly this point when he's writing to the Colossian church, and Chris read to us from the first chapter of that letter. And those verses really are a poem. It's lost in the way our Bibles are translated, and it's often laid out as if this was simply prose, but it's far more deliberately constructed than that. Paul is being very careful about what he's saying here. This is very well put together. Jesus Christ, he says, is the firstborn. That's the first thing. He mentions it in verse 15 and verse 18, and that had a huge significance at the time that Paul was writing. And as a firstborn child, I think it's a shame that we've lost some of that significance in the world today. Paul is saying that Jesus Christ is supreme in verse 17. And then in verse 18, he says, Jesus Christ is the head of the body, which is the church. And it's this poetic structure with phrases that are mirrored and repeated as it goes on. It's clever, it's deliberate. It shows us that Paul isn't just sharing on a whim, but this is at the heart of what he wants the Colossian church to know about what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. It's a very deliberate set of statements about the Saviour we worship and about the Lord that we trust. 
And that message is that if they are to grow as Christians, increasing in wisdom and grace and patience and thanksgiving, they needed to know, as we need to know, that above all else, Christ is supreme and central to everything. The more we get to know and understand about Jesus Christ, the more we will get to know and understand who the true God is and what God has done and who we are as a result of what God has done, what it means to live in and for God. We simply can't grow in our faith without that. And much of the rest of the letter of Colossians is really unpacking and exploring the meaning of this short poem in chapter 1. It's establishing for that community their theological ground rules that the rest of the letter will then be working with. And without understanding that, this is where Paul is coming from for the rest of the letter. I would suggest that without understanding that, the rest of Colossians doesn't make much sense at all. And given that these things are that important and central and significant to what it means to be a Christian, I want to just do our own little exploration of them this morning. Because Christianity isn't about a particular way of being religious. It isn't about a particular way to be saved. It isn't just a different way of holiness. It is about Jesus Christ. This is what the Colossians needed to know And it's what we need to hear for the first time or to be reminded of over and over again. Because it's exceptionally easy for it to be about other things. And within Paul's message, he wants us to know these things about Jesus because they're important and they help us as we seek to follow him. And so he tells us that it's by looking at Jesus that we discover who God is. That he is the image of God. Of God, that no one has ever seen God, but in Jesus he has come near and become one of us. It's most likely Paul writing this letter wouldn't have had John's gospel in front of him, but John is making exactly the same point where in chapter 14 of his version of the Jesus story he says, Jesus answered the people, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip, one of the disciples, said, Lord, show us the Father. That will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So if we want to know what God is like, we look first to the person of Jesus Christ. Second, Paul tells us that Jesus holds together the old world and the new, the creation and the new creation. Sometimes when we talk about our faith and the salvation offered to us in Jesus, sometimes in church we slip into talking about the world, the ordinary world in which we live, as if it's worthless, or worse, that it's inherently bad. And that's a problem, because that isn't true. Jesus Christ, we're told here in the passage, is the one through whom and for whom the whole of creation was made in the first place. This isn't just a remarkable thing to say about an individual. It's a remarkable thing to say about the world. It was his idea, his craftsmanship. It is beautiful and powerful, and gentle, and delightful, because he made it like that. 
And when the lavish and generous beauty of the world makes you catch your breath, when you have those moments where you just see God in the world around us, Paul says we should remember that it is like that in those moments because that is how Jesus has made it to be. It's because of him. Now we know, you know, that the world we live in isn't a perfect one, and there's plenty of brokenness and ugliness to go round. And we see that most clearly in the death of Jesus. And whilst it's a reality that this brokenness in many ways persists in our world, that was not the original intention, and in Jesus the living God has acted to heal the world of all its wickedness and corruption. And he's done all that through the one through whom the world was made in the first place. He is both the firstborn of creation and of the new creation. So Paul tells us that Jesus is the image of God and that he's the one who holds everything together. And Paul also makes it clear that Christ is the head of the church. This is a familiar refrain in a number of the letters in the New Testament. It's something that, again, can get lost in the poetry here and something that we can forget so often. That we are part of his church. We don't invite him to be part of ours. If we want to know what we're supposed to do, we look to Christ's teaching. If we want to know how we're supposed to do it, we look to Christ's example. It's not my church, it's not your church, it is Christ's church. It is his wisdom we seek, it's his love we share, it's his mercy that makes it possible to face another day. So as we look towards the autumn term together, as in the coming days September arrives, friends, I simply want to encourage you this morning to read again, or perhaps for the very first time, the story of Jesus Christ. Take a gospel. You've got four to choose from, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Mark's the shortest, if that helps. Take a gospel, put the kettle on, and read it. Or listen to it. In fact, Luke's gospel, being read by members of our own church, is on our YouTube channel. You could listen to the whole thing through by friends. But this is the story that changes everything. This is the story that we are called to live for and in and by. Everything else is chasing the wind. So I can think of no better way to spend time in the coming days than to sit down and to read the gospel of Jesus Christ, to read his story afresh. And if you've never read it before, my word, you're going to have questions. And if you've read it several times before, you'll be amazed by what God still has to show you as you read it. But whatever else we want to know, whatever else we want to understand, whatever other questions we have, we have to start with the one in whom we find our life and our future. And that's Jesus Christ. So pick a gospel. Spend time reading it this week. Ask God to speak to you as you work your way through it. And see the ways in which the Spirit will speak to you as you explore the story of the one who is our Lord and our Saviour, our friend and our King. Let's pray together.